Well, my name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter. I want to welcome everyone out to the greatest place to be on a Friday night. I want to welcome everyone in the Father's house. I want to welcome everyone that's watching online around the country. Uh, my friends from Kentucky, uh, all the way out to Seattle, New York, Florida, wherever you are, welcome to Encounter Online. I'd love to get uh, our uh, anchor number nine up on the screens. And we're going to open up in prayer. Because anchor number nine says, commit to a daily prayer life and grow my relationship with the Father. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for the gift of prayer. Thank you for the gift of Jesus, greatest gift ever. What a wonderful name it is. And we lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you for Jan and the worship team for lifting up the name of Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus, the name above all names, the name where there's power. At that name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, I pray that you would open up our eyes tonight, tenderize our hearts, pop open our ears so that we can hear a fresh word from you about the power of prayer. And our prayer tonight is just what the disciples asked you, Lord Jesus. Increase our faith and teach us how to pray. So God, I pray that your word would be the only words that we hear. And you silence every other word and your word would not come back void. It would accomplish everything that you intended it to do. And Lord, it's not that I have confidence in the way I can pray, but I have full confidence in how you can answer anything I pray. And so God, we just thank you for the power of prayer and the gift of prayer. We just thank you for a wonderful name it is, what a wonderful gift it is that we can get to spend time in your presence, experience your love and your peace, your power and your plans for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got a couple of questions for you as we get going. What, what would happen, ask yourself this question, what would happen if I would study this book as a book of prayer? What, what would happen if I studied this book from front to back, Genesis to Revelation, as a book of prayer? How would that change my life? How would that change your life? If you looked at this book and studied it as something that you can pray over your life each and every day, for anything going on in your life, for any circumstance, for anything, for any problem, for any good or great thing that could ever happen in your life, that you would use this book as a guidebook of how to pray and how to be blessed in your life. Imagine knowing how to pray for God's antidote or answer for every problem that you could ever face in life. Imagine that. I want you to know that tonight that there's an answer in this book that you can pray for for any problem for any answer that you'll ever need in life. And I tell you this tonight because it's so important for you and for me to build up your arsenal of weapons in prayer to combat what the enemy, what the world, and what our own evil nature throws at us each and every day. I'm talking about praying God's word. I'm talking about praying the blood that was shed on the cross for you for protection, provision, favor. I'm talking about how to pray to God for him to dispatch angels to do battle on your, on your behalf. I'm talking about how to pray for the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, to pray for God's power so where Jesus said the same things that I did, you'll, you'll do, but even greater. How to pray for God's will to be done. How to pray for God's plan for your life. 
how to simply pray the way God intended you to pray so you can experience all that God has intended for you to experience this side of heaven so that when you see God face to face, you're not going to be shocked. I'm telling you that prayer is the key. Charles Spurgeon said, if your faith in Christ doesn't lead you to pray, get rid of it. Have nothing to do with it. And ask God to help you to begin over. And prayer is so essential. And in this book, I got to tell you, there are hundreds of prayers recorded in the Bible. And each and every one of them can teach you something about the heart of God. And how you can pray more effectively. Because there is a way to pray, and there is a way to pray more effectively. There is a way to pray, and there is a way to pray the will and power and love of God. There is a way to pray for heaven on earth. There is a way to pray kingdom principles. And live out and expand the kingdom of heaven. And take back ground that the enemy has tried to steal from your life that is not his but rightfully yours in Jesus' name. There's a way to pray like that. So why is it important to commit to a daily prayer life? I think the answer, part of the answer is found in the completion of Anchor 9. To grow my relationship with the Father. There's nothing more important than that to grow my relationship with the Father. I pose another question to you. What's your purpose in life, and why are you here? Boom. Why are you here? What's your purpose in life? There's a lot of other people that can answer that question, but those of us that are trusted in Jesus can. In short, I'm going to try and give it to you. Are you ready? You're here because God loves you. You're here because God spoke you into existence. You're here because you were created by God, for God, for his pleasure, to glorify him in everything that you say and do. See, God wanted a family. He didn't need you, but he wanted you. See, it's not, see love is not real love unless there's a choice involved. And God, one of the ways that you can know you were made in the image of God is God gave you the ability to choose. You can choose, you can choose him, or you can reject him. You can accept him, or you can walk away from him. You can believe what I'm telling you, or you can reject it. God's, God's never going to impose his will on yours if you don't want anything to do with him. That's what free will is. But your purpose in life is to respond to the love of God by accepting the love that God has for you through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for you, and then live your life for him. That's your purpose. There it is. That's, that's it. Let's go home. There's nothing more. That's it, to live your life for God. Listen, you are saved by grace and grace alone, not by anything you could ever do. None of us deserve any of this. I certainly don't. I certainly can't earn heaven. I can't earn salvation, and you can't. It is a gift, so no one can boast. Jesus Christ, the name above all names, that name is a gift, and I don't know about you, but I'm just grateful for the name. I'm grateful for the relationship. I'm grateful for the Lord Jesus Christ who came into my life, who saved me, who saved you. And there isn't a day that goes by in my life where I'm not grateful for who Jesus Christ is. What a wonderful name. What a gift we have in Jesus Christ. There's so many things that come through Jesus Christ. Salvation, eternity, forgiveness, freedom. Purpose, identity, power, they're just a small part of the benefit package you get when you receive God's Son as your Lord and Savior. 
God says, accept my son, and I'll write your name in a book in heaven never to be erased. And what God does is he bypasses the written code, like it says in Colossians 2.14, that was written against you, that stood opposed to you. And God signs in. Did you know that God was the first one to sign an executive order decreeing your citizenship in heaven? Okay, so when you see someone sign an executive order, they stole that from God. It's not from the White House. It's from God's house in heaven because that's what God does for you when you accept his son, Jesus Christ. To accomplish all of this that Jesus did for you, here's what Jesus needed. Are you ready? Jesus needed, Jesus depended on God's word. Jesus depended on God's word. He depended on the Holy Spirit. I'm moving fast, but you can get the tape. He depended on his father. Boy, if you really look at how he depended on his father. There was a desperation in the ministry of Jesus where he, he would do ministry, but he couldn't be without and he couldn't be without talking to his father. He couldn't be without getting directions from his father. He had to be with his father. And he depended on the power of prayer. See, that's how he activated God's word. That's how he activated the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how he heard from his father. Because his father wasn't with him. He needed prayer. He needed to depend on the power of prayer. See, when you study life and ministry of Jesus Christ, you'll find his desperation and just a, a deep, deep woven desire bound by love to always be and hear and communicate and pray to his Father. He needed to talk to his father. How did he do it? Through prayer. He needed guidance from his father. How did he get guidance from his father? Through prayer. Now the father made sure that he didn't send his one and only son into the world to fail the world, but to save the world. So the father made sure Jesus had everything he needed, his word, his spirit, an open line of communication made possible through the gift, the gift of prayer. So if Jesus, let me... Just pose this question, Jack. I got a lot of questions to ask you tonight. If Jesus needed God's word, his Father, the Holy Spirit, and prayer to complete his mission on planet Earth, how much more do you think we need those things in our lives to live out God's plan and purpose for our lives? How much do you think we need those things? Yet those are the four things, the four elements that you'll see missing in so many programs, even in the church of Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you that those are the essential things that we need. Now imagine this. Imagine if you became a person, like we talked about last week, who knew how to make God's word the authority over your life, who depended upon the power of the Holy Spirit, who became relentless in your love and desire to grow your relationship with the Father. And you became a person of prayer, knowing that nothing happens in heaven's world that's not jump-started by the power of prayer. See, a lot of you have given your lives to Jesus Christ. I want to know who prayed for you. I guarantee there was someone or a group of people praying for you. I know I didn't get saved 
So my wife, who never plays fair, enlisted hundreds of people to pray for my salvation. How different would your life look if you looked at prayer as a gift and not just a spiritual discipline or something that we do every now and then or something that we do when we get in trouble? So have you considered tonight what a gift God has given us through prayer? When was the last time you looked at prayer as a gift? A gift that God's given us. See, the purpose of prayer is to get to know the God of the universe, your Father, in a personal way, by spending time with him, waiting on him, being in his presence, trusting in him, in everything that you do. See, when you commit to a daily prayer life in full surrender to God, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, being honest with God, you'll become like Jesus in purpose and personality. That's what God wants you to do. God wants you to be more like Jesus. When you start shifting your prayer life, moving from gimme, 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 to asking God, Lord, just make me more like Jesus. Help me love like Jesus. Help me see people through the eyes of Jesus. Help me love people with the heart of Jesus. Help me bless people like Jesus. Help me walk like Jesus. Help me pray like Jesus. Help me do all these things that Jesus did because he said I can do them. If you pray like that and really mean it, watch out. Your prayer life is going to go to the next level. But I want to tell you this. The greatest benefit and purpose of prayer, again, is to grow your relationship with the Father. Don't miss that. And there are many reasons in addition to that why we should pray. When you're in trouble, Psalm 50.15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will rescue you. Call upon me when you're in trouble. So who do you call when you're in trouble? Do you go to a meeting? Do you go to Facebook instead of seeking his face in this book? Do you go to the phone instead of the throne? Where do you go when you're in trouble? You get a lot of wisdom in this book. James 5.13 says, any of you in trouble, you should pray. Not your buddies. Not people, you should pray. That's the first one. You, the first one that, that should pray when you're in trouble is not your group, although a group is good. Not your pastor, although it's a good idea to get your pastor to pray for you, and I do pray for you. But the Bible says you should pray. As great as that sounds, there are many reasons why we don't call on God when we're in trouble, right? And so here's what I want to do for the rest of our time, I want to lay a biblical and balanced foundation of prayer so that after tonight, you're going to come boldly to the throne of God every time where you're going to receive mercy in your time of need. See, God is the creator of the universe who formed you to have a loving, loving relationship with you, with you, that you spend time in his presence. You get to know, that's what a relationship is. A relationship is two people Growing together, spending time together. You do that by praying to him, praising him, listening to him, waiting on him, trusting him, surrendering to him, believing in him, running after him, and becoming like him in all that you do. You will never receive God's best presence until you learn to love being in his presence. I put it up on the screen so you'll... In case you missed my accent. 
And when we get honest with God, and I want to define what honesty means, that's what God, that's when life gets so much better. My life got so much better when I got honest with God, when I got real about my sins. And that's when the healing power of Jesus Christ came into me, and he's coming to so many of you. You know, God says the same thing about prayer. If, you, if we're going to have this relationship, if we're going to have this dialogue, you've got to get honest about the junk in your life. Isaiah 1, 15 through 17 says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I won't listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. David knew the same thing in Psalm 66, verse 18. He said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, Lord, you would not have listened to me. But thank God you have heard my prayers. Thank God you have not turned a deaf ear. Thank God that you hear me when I pray and that you've not withheld your love from me. Because David knew something about running away from God and running to God, running to his sin where his prayers were cut off. Now, here's the, here's the deal. If you've been coming to Encounter for a while, you know this. You don't approach God based on what you do or don't do. You approach God based on what he's done for you. See, we don't approach God in prayer because of the good things that we've done, but by the finished work of Christ that was done for us. Now, does that mean that we can willfully sin and expect God to hear our prayers? He may hear us, but the question is, is he going to bless them? Is he going to answer them? It means that when we do sin, and all of us do, and I may be the chief of them like the Apostle Paul, we just need to get honest about it. Get honest with God and turn from, and turn from those sins and turn to God. That's why, that's why 1 John 1, 9 and Romans 8, 1, they need to be your sword, power, scriptures that you need to be praying, you need to memorize them, you need to know them, you're going to need them in your prayer arsenal to fight off Satan's discouragement and lies all designed, are you ready for this, to keep you from praying. That's what he does. These lies are topped off with guilt and condemnation. Lies that will tell you God's not listening. Lies that will tell you you're not good enough to pray. Let's read out, out loud. You hear me quote this all the time. 1 John 1, 9. Let's read it out loud together. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Romans 8, 1. Let's all read it out loud. Therefore, therefore now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It means you're not guilty. It means you can approach to God. Approach the throne of God with confidence. And when you're not afraid to come to God in prayer, trusting what he has done for you, you should come boldly to God's throne like it says in Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I love that passage. And we're going to discover the truth of what God will do when we pray to him and discover promises, things that we don't even know about. Like God says in Jeremiah 33.3, 3, 
He says, call to me. Call to me. Come to me. And I will answer you. You know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you wonderful and marvelous things that you know nothing about. I'm going to show you things you don't even know about. So before we talk about the how-to of prayer, let's talk a little bit about what prayer is. See, communication that builds relationships, that's just simply dialogue, right? Genuine prayer has all the qualities and characteristics of a deeply meaningful conversation between two people, God the Father and us. You see, intentional, loving dialogue can be wonderful. It can be wonderful. We know this to be true in our relationships with other people that have brought us great joy. The same is true when we communicate intentionally with God. We know him to be more fully. We'll know him more. We'll know his, we'll know, we'll know his character. We'll, we'll know the love, his love more, his justice, his mercy more. We'll feel more at home in his presence. We'll feel more at home in his arms. We'll feel more at home sitting in his lap with him holding us. And we're going to have a deeper relationship with him. Friends, prayer is the key to a relationship with God. Prayer is the key to a relationship with God. Intentional dialogue with God, real praying, ultimately establishes and deepens our relationship with him. Again, the purpose of prayer is that we might know God better, experience more of his love, and have an abiding awareness of his work in our lives. Talking to God doesn't build relationship. Communicating with God does. Talking, speaking, and listening. Prayer is listening as well. Now, a relationship with God obviously is very personal. In fact, it's the most intimate relationship you can ever know. Nobody knows you like God knows you. Nobody loves you like God loves you. As used to say in the old Baptist church, nobody do you like Jesus. <laughs> nobody desires good for your life more than God. In prayer, you'll soon discover not only more about God, but more about yourself as God's beloved child. As his precious child. There's no more exciting and enriching experience to know the love of a father when you're in his arms. Because prayer is intensely personal. There are no universal formulas. Bible doesn't say when to pray because any time is good. Bible doesn't say where to pray because any place is good. The specifics of your prayer relationship with God are as distinctive as any other aspect of your life and your ability to communicate. Ultimately, friends, listen to me very carefully. Prayer is to be experienced, not just studied. You've got to do it for yourself. A lot of prayer in your life, a lot of power. Little prayer, little power. Again, the main purpose of prayer is that we might get to know the God of the universe better and grow. Know and grow. To know and grow in our relationship with him. Nothing will build your relationship with God like a committed prayer life. Samuel Chadwick said this, prayer is the acid test of devotion. The more you pray, the more you talk to God, 
The more, you, the more you pray, the more time you're spending and growing in your relationship with him. You are alive today. You have breath today. You're in the palm of God's hands today so that God can hear from you. And God can have a relationship with you. It's an eternal relationship. And God wants to prepare you for eternity by you praying. And you experience all that God has for you, not only in this life, but in the next life to come. Prayer builds intimacy with God. And a lot of people have relationships with God. There's not a lot of people who have an intimate relationship with God. God wants you to have an intimate relationship with him. Prayer is simply the life bread of communication we have with God. True prayer is when our will is aligned with the will of God and we pray accordingly. Prayer is our connection to heaven and heaven's connection to us. And that's why, friends, you always have to keep the lines open. True praying is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. That's true praying. Prayer is essential to knowing God as breathing is to living. You have to be desperate to pray, desperate to be in God's presence. Prayer is how we let God fight our battles, and we get to watch. Prayer does what you can't do for someone else. Prayer tells your problems how big your God is instead of you telling God how big your problems are. And that's what we do with God. We go to God and say, God, you, you have no idea how big this problem is. And all of a sudden, when you go to God and tell God how big your problem is, all of a sudden, you made God out to be small, and you made your problems out to be big. See, prayer is how we remind ourselves that we're powerless without God. S.D. Gordon wrote this, The heart of God hungers to redeem the world. For that he placed in human hands the mightiest of all forces, prayer, that we might become partners with him. The greatest thing anyone can do for God and for man, are you ready for this? Is to pray. It's not only, it's, the, it's not the only thing, but the chief thing. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. But prayer needs to be conversational. Don't try and be someone else or, or let your voice turn into another voice like you're from the 18th century or something when you start praying. Don't try and impress God. You know, oh, God. Just be yourself. God's himself when he's with you. God wants you to be yourself. My... My job is to prepare you for a life after this life. My job, is to prepare, my job is to help you take your prayer life to the next level. You don't have to impress God with your words. Here's what you impress God with. You ready? You impress God with your humility. You impress God with your faith. And you impress God with your reverence. Because there has to be reverence when you're in his presence. Speaking of personal... One of the most intimate acts of love that someone can do is to kiss someone. I mean, there's something about a kiss. Think about that. When my wife kisses me, I cannot say what happens on this altar. <laughs> but I gotta tell you something, something more beautiful and something more loving than a kiss from her. There's something amazing and beautiful 
about a kiss from a father to his children. Next Saturday, I'm flying back to Kentucky just for a couple of days to go spend some time with our kids. I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that. And I was thinking about it all day. One of the things that I do when I see my daughter and I see my grandkids is I kiss them nonstop. And there's nothing like the kiss of a dad to his children. The kiss of a dad, the comfort, the security, the protection of a dad for his children does something more for a person than, than anyone else could ever do. Now, I speak to you from a place of, I never grew up without, with a dad. You know my story. My dad left when I was six months old. I never felt the physical touch of a father. But I got to tell you this, through prayer, through prayer, my father kisses me every day. I get a kiss on my forehead when I go to God in prayer every day. And he confirms his love for me, his plans for me, his deep affection for me. And it changes me. It's changed my life because there's nothing like the love of a father that reaches down from heaven and kisses his children. And I just want to give you not so much a formula to pray because there is no formula to pray, but I want to give you a way through an acrostic four simple letters, KISS, K-I-S-S, of how to kiss God back when you pray. And the K stands for kneel before God. Just kneel before God. See, prayer is a great opportunity to express your gratitude towards God. You can thank him, you can praise him, you can worship him, and coming and entering into his gates with praise and thanksgiving is a great way to start praying to God. As you acknowledge God's greatness like that, his love will wash over you. Now, when I say kneel before God, you can kneel physically if you're able, but realistically, God, you can just kneel in your heart. It's, it's just a reverent thing in your heart. You say, God, I just kneel before you. I bow before you. I acknowledge you as my Lord, my leader, the lover of my soul. I give you your rightful place in, in my life. See, your posture is not as important as your motive. And whether you lie prostrate on the floor because of his holiness that overwhelms you, or you look up to the sky because you earnestly raise your eyes to heaven and worship him and acknowledge him, the position, friends, don't miss this, the position of your heart is what touches God. And that's important. He will hear the prayers of that person that has a pure heart and motives that are surrendered to him. The I in kiss, just simply invite him into your day. Say, God, I just invite you into my day. I invite you into my life, my pain, my heart. I give you full permission to be Lord over everything I'm doing today. My plans, my problems, my concerns. You know, one of the things I learned from Jack Hayford at a Promise Keeper event uh, 18, about 18 years ago, and, and this is one of the reasons why you always hear me quote Romans 12, 1 and 2. And he used that as an expression of praise and thanks when you wake up every day to praise God and thank God in view of God's mercy. 
See, that's what I do a lot when I wake up. In light of your mercy today, I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Lord, this is my spiritual act of worship. I'm not going to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And I'm just, you know, I'm just going to invite you into my day. I'm just going to invite you to be Lord over my, to lead me today, to be the victor of the outcome of my circumstances today, to let your voice be the only voice that I hear in Jesus' name today. Do not let me walk ahead, behind, left, or right of you, that I'm going to invite you into my day, that I'm going to walk with you, by you, led by you, living for you in everything that I say and do. The S, basically a self-evaluation. I don't know about you, but I do a self-evaluation, not just at the end of the year, but the end of every day and the beginning of every day. You just, that's just getting honest. Lord, here I am. Here's how I'm doing. I really blew it yesterday. I really could have said some nicer things on the phone to that other person. I really could have done this. I could have been nicer on the five. Could have been nicer on the 405. <laughs> Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your strength to start this day. And the S is just, it's a big word. It's a church word. It's supplication. It just means that's your list. That's your things you need to pray, God. You have not because you ask not. It, your, your list is important. The problem is we usually go to God with the list first. And God's more interested in your praise than, than your prayer list. And the list is important. you got to pray for your needs, your concerns. And you should pray for others. That's called intercession, when you pray for others. I have a friend here that I was at a men's retreat a couple weeks ago. Didn't know him, never met him, but I knew that he was praying for me the whole time. Only God could do stuff like that. Only God can connect someone's hearts that don't even know each other and say, I'm praying for you. And I knew he was praying for me. And then after you kiss God, K-I-S-S. I'm not going to sing this song. <laughs> Here's something to remember. I'm taking my time with this because you can't cover everything, but, but what I'm saying is, is so important. Most of us just end our prayer time there. Do not end your prayer time. If you don't learn the practice of doing what I'm about to tell you, you're going to miss out on God's best for you. After you pray, never end your prayer time just asking God for things, but end your prayer time waiting on God for things. Amen. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. That's a big scripture. You know, when I was asked to come out to California and pray about it, people asked me to pray about coming to California. I I would love to tell you all the scriptures that God revealed to me. But God revealed one scripture to me and Carolyn both that made the final decision for us to come to California that would ultimately lead us to start Encounter and be here at the Father's house every Friday. And that was Psalm 4610. That wherever we would go, whatever we would pray, Lord, what do you want us to do? And all we heard all the time, be still and know that I am God. And God gave us such an overwhelming peace to come to California. I remember going to the Billy Graham Training Center for a few days to hear from God and to just get away so we can make the final decision. And the moment we walk in to, the, to this place in, in North Carolina, 
They were banners. They were scriptures. But there was one scripture that was on banners everywhere throughout the whole place. Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. And here's how you do that. You be still and you know that he is God. And you may want to ask a few prayers. I've learned to pray these prayers when I'm waiting on God. And you just pray to God and you say, God, is there anything you want to talk to me about? Is there anything you want to deal with me about? Is there anything you want me to change? Anything you want me to stop? Anything you need me to keep doing? Is there a person you want me to bless? Is there a place you want me to go? Is there a person you want me to call? Is there a person you want me to touch? Is there a person you want me to minister to? You just be quiet. You don't speak for God. Well, let me give you my list, Lord. No, you just wait. There is nothing more beautiful than being still and knowing that he is God and hearing the voice of God. There is nothing more beautiful than hearing the voice of God. And you just enjoy God's presence. Don't be in a hurry. And that's how you can start your day. You spend that precious time with him. Now let me give you a couple more thoughts as you embark on this journey of prayer. The general will of God for you is always found in Scripture. It's always found. The specific will of God for you is only found for you praying to God. Because Carolyn's name is not written in that book. But God, through this book, God somehow, somehow God ordained for us to be together. God restored our marriage. And that's why we're married 33 years by the grace of God. You see, the specific will for your life is found when you pray God's word, wait for God's confirmation, and the Holy Spirit's leading and experience his peace. That's how you can know the specific will of God for you. Jesus said this in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. That's important. See, when you start praying God's word over your life, that's why last week's lesson was so critical, allowing God's word to become the authority over my life. If you allow God's word to become the authority over your life, you will know God's voice for your life. You will know God's voice when you pray. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. It's important to know this. Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. You see, other than God, nobody knows God's word better than Satan. He knows God's word better than all of us in this room combined. And let me tell you what he's a master at. He's a master. Nobody can distort and make you doubt God's word better than Satan. Even those that have a pure heart that purely want to follow God in full devotion. You know, I was reading this week and, and a scripture came alive to me. You know, Paul wrote two letters of basically total rebuke to the church in Corinth. One of the things that people don't understand about Paul, Paul was a man of deep convictions and he deeply loved followers of Jesus Christ. And he deeply loved the church of Corinth. And I love what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I hope you'll put up with a little of my foolishness 
But you are already doing that. He says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I don't want you to miss how loving this statement is. This is a church that he just chastised. He just said, you're out of order. I'm going to tell you how to get back in order. And, what, and this is what he says at the end of his letter. He says, I promise, this is speaking to the church, not, he says, I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Do you understand what a statement of love that is? Full of grace, full of love. And, he, and that statement was the context and precedent for him making this statement. Because here's the next scripture. But I'm afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere, don't miss this, and pure devotion to Christ. Listen, God knows the plans he has for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future, not plans for disaster. Satan also knows the plans that he has for you. Plans to give your life a hopelessness to destroy your future. Don't forget that. And you need, when you pray, you need to know both voices. And that's what next week's lesson is. How do I take my thoughts captive? And how do I get dressed to battle? Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And we take every pretension, we take every argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. We do that in prayer, and that's what we're going to learn next week. So stay tuned. These are, you're going to need that, and that's important for you to pray effectively. And you've got to know God's voice. And if Satan can distort and make you doubt God's word, he'll succeed in wrecking your prayer life. He's either going to keep you from praying with his guilt or he's going to lead your minds astray so much that your prayers are going to be aligned with his plans to destroy you. So when you pray and you don't hear the voice of God, it's always good to do that honest evaluation in your kiss prayer. Ask yourself questions. Ask God questions. I learned to pray these questions. Lord, what would keep me from not getting clarity and hearing your voice on this matter? You know, when I would get in a storm, I used to pray, Lord, what did I do? Now I learned to pray, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? It's amazing how he speaks in those situations. And then if God reveals a sin in my life, I just pray that 1 John 1, 9 prayer. I also pray other clarifying prayers. Is this something you've made clear that I'm not listening to or obeying? Because sometimes God will say something and you, he won't say it again because they've already spoken on the matter. And this is important. Listen, when I'm, listen carefully. God usually never speaks to you in response to your prayers that are outside his word and his will. See, some of you are praying about moving forward in a relationship. Moving in with someone. Having sex before marriage. God's already spoken on the matter. Some of you are praying, God, lead me. Help me to make the decision whether or not to stay married. And you're not hearing from God because God's already spoken on the matter. Some of you are praying whether or not to forgive someone and let the offense go. You're not hearing from God because God's already spoken on the matter. Some of you are praying for your finances to get better, but God's already spoken on the matter. Some of you are praying for God's blessing and healing in your life, but God's already spoken to you about areas in your life that he wants you to turn from and trust him for. You see, you can't hear God's voice, direction, experience his peace 
in some areas of your life because he's already spoken on the matter. But now let me switch gears a little bit. Let me speak to another group of people, and that's most of us. We are praying. We are praying prayers of forgiveness. We are praying and, and, and trusting his will to the best of our ability. None of us can do it perfectly. We all screw up. We all mess up. We all need 1 John 1, 9. We all need to pray for forgiveness. There is no such thing as a perfect Christian. But what do we do when we know that we're praying, living out God's will, and we don't hear the voice, and we don't hear the answer? What if we do if we're banking on 1 John 5 that says this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask. I love that scripture. You know why? Because it's true. I believe it. But there are times when we don't get what we want when we want it because we live in a McDonald's, Burger King society and we pray the same way sometimes, don't we? We want it now. So let me ask you an honest question. Do you ever feel like God said no? when you were praying for something and you gave up praying for that person or something or that dream that you had? I have. I've done this many times. Most of us don't like to wait. I don't know about you, but I, I, I have the tendency to pray that way. And the question is, why does God seem to be distant at times when we are following him, when we are living out his promises. Why does he make us wait before our prayers get answered? Let me tell you some friends. Let me give you the, are you ready for the answer? There is no answer. God's ways are not our ways. A, day, a thousand years is a day to God. A day is a thousand years. We'll never explain the things of God. Maybe God's trying to teach us something. And when Jesus taught about praying, he used three examples to teach us how to be patient and wait for the answers so that our faith would keep us in the posture of prayer, always praying and never giving up. There's a story about a friend at midnight, there's a story about a Canaanite woman, and there's a story about the persistent widow in Luke 18, which says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Right there! If Jesus is teaching about prayer, and he says, I want to teach you something about prayer so that you always pray and never give up, it's probably a good assumption that he's trying to teach them to always pray and never give up. Because a lot of us pray, okay, Lord, I need this situation. I need you to fix this situation. I need you to fix this court date. I need you to fix her. I need you to fix him. I need you to fix this. I need you to fix that. And when God doesn't answer, it's like, well, God didn't answer. God, God didn't hear me. And look at the story. I love this story. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming. You may want to underline that. Kept coming to him with the plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. Now this is a picture of prayer. For some time he refused. This is a perfect picture of prayer. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow, you may want to underline this, keeps bothering me, <laughs> keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me, wear me out. You want to underline that? Wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice 
for his chosen ones. Here it is, who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The widow represents all of us who come to God in prayer. Don't miss the four elements of her praying. You want to write that down. She kept coming to God. She kept bothering. I, you know, I love to bother God. I don't know about you. God, hope you don't mind, but I'm coming to you thrown boldly today. I'm going to bother you with some things. Let's spend some time together, okay? I got this I'm praying for. I got that I'm praying for. You're awesome. You're great. Please, oh, okay? You know, God, let me tell you something. God's not in a hurry, okay? God likes it when you bother him. He really does. She kept bothering God. She kept wearing God out. When was the last time you said, you know, I'm going to wear God out with my praying? You know, my wife, you know, if she, if she was a guy, her name would be Jacob. She's a wrestling, Jacob, Carolyn, praying woman. I'm telling you, it's amazing that she can walk straight. <laughs> Some of you got that. I got to tell you, in my own life, I, I, I personally just want to confess something to you. In the past, when I prayed, I'd like to say that, you know, I've always acted in great, crazy faith. There are times when I've prayed where I've lacked the discernment, which simply is not trusting God no matter what. That God expects from me, and subsequently on some prayers, I gave up praying. But you see, we may die, but our prayers never die. And God is resurrecting some of those prayers in my life again today. You know, I think we rank the words not yet as some of the most awful in the English language. I think there's an impatient child in each and every one of us that wants it now and wants it our way. And when our all-wise Heavenly Father says, not yet, we pout, we scream, we get mad at God. Listen, his delays are not his denials. You know, as we start praying more and learning to be in his presence more, a lot of time, God doesn't change the situation. He changes our hearts. He changes the way we pray. He changes our character. He changes our mindset. He gives us a different perspective. The Apostle Paul says, set your mind on things above. Think about things from a heavenly perspective. Think kingdom-minded thoughts. See, most spiritual gains only come through struggle. See, God, sometimes God delays so he can develop things in us like discipline, character, trust. All those things. And a lot of times we're not able to see the delay or why God delays. The reality of the story is that she never gives up and God wants you to never give up praying. See, it's our faith that's going to give us the perseverance to stay in the posture of prayer, to build that intimacy with God. The difference between faithful people and unfaithful people is unfaithful people give up at the first sign of difficulty. Faithful people keep on keeping on. Faithful people are determined. Faithful people are diligent. They're persistent. They know how to go to the throne before they go to the phone. They let God fight their battles. They don't know how to give up. I know one thing. I'm not that smart, but I know one thing. It's always too soon to give up praying. It always is. The problem that you're going through right now 
may not be may not be as big as you think because God's bigger than your problem. You know, I love studying the life of David. David went into nine battles, major opposition, but the one thing that David did in front of each and every one of those nine battles was these words, and David inquired of the Lord. Sometimes those battles were the same enemy, same situation, but for each time David inquired of the Lord, God gave him different instructions. It's a great lesson learned there. See, when we stay in the, in the posture of knowing God's voice, being in his presence, sometimes the situation doesn't change, but God changes you and gives you different instructions for how to handle the same old problem that's been around a long time. Because sometimes those don't change. My life, think about this, your life, how does your life, how do you get saved? With a prayer. You can't get saved without praying a prayer. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you're saved. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My life started with prayer. My life with God. I was saved. I was made a new creation in Christ through prayer. My life is sustained in prayer. And Jesus says, if you want to get to the Father, if you want to know the Father, if you want to experience the love of the Father, you got to go through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I love this up here. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus says, here's the Father. Here's me. You ain't getting to my daddy unless you go through me. It's the most loving thing I can do for you. Because everything the Father has for you is expressed through my love for you. And it's all about a relationship. And if you want your... And there are a lot of people that pray. You actually talk to people around the world. Everybody's praying. People praying to this. People praying that way. People praying this way. People kneel it, reel it, yoke it, choke it, name it, claim it, whatever you want to call it. People praying down God's fire, God's this, God's that. Some of it's true, some of it's great, some of it's good, some of it's bad. But the deal is, it's all about a relationship. It's all about a relationship. And the question is, do you have that relationship? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, Jan and the worship team. And our key scripture is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Be joyful always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. When you have a relationship with Jesus and you get to know the love of a father, it'll give you unspeakable joy. Joy will be your song. Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. You know, one of the greatest things that could be said about your life is someone could walk away from knowing you and say, you know what, that person is a person of prayer. That person hears from God. That person speaks to God. That's per that person knows who God is. That person communicates with God. That person has been with Jesus. And no one, no great man, woman, or, or God, no great church is never great unless they pray great. Not perfect, but pray without ceasing.
If you do, you'll be a thankful person. You'll give thanks in all circumstances. Not that everything around you you'll be thankful for, but you'll be thankful that Jesus Christ and your Father in heaven is in control of it. You know why those three things are so important about your prayer life? Joy, pray without ceasing, giving thanks. Because the next scripture says, this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. uh, There's not a lot of places in in scripture where it says, this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. Now, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. Sometimes God has to knock knock this nog a little bit. But if I read something that says, this is the will of Christ Jesus for me, it's probably a good idea to do it. It's probably a real good idea to do it. I want to invite everyone to stand. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to acknowledge Jesus Christ as the lover of your soul, the one who died for you, and the one who paves the way so that you could have an eternal life with God, but also have access to Him so that you can pray for heaven on earth and experience heaven on earth. Just pray this prayer with me. Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven, against myself, against my family, and I'm sorry for those sins. I turn from those sins, and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. I trust in you and you alone for the forgiveness of my sins and the free gift of eternal life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for declaring me not guilty. I acknowledge all of this with my mouth. I believe it in my heart. And I receive your Holy Spirit right now in all of your fullness. Fill me with your power, with your love. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Give me all the gifts that you want for me. Lord, if there's something more that you have for me through your Holy Spirit, I pray for it now. If there's a way you want me to pray to you that that words can't express, Give that gift to me right now so that I know that I'm praying perfectly in unison with your Holy Spirit. Give me power to live out your plan for my life and help me be a person of love and power glorifying you in everything that I say and do. In Jesus' name, amen.